Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we are going to pick up the text where we left it in our last episode, which uh, we were discussing the curse pronounced, and it's pronounced upon three individuals. The serpent first, which is where we left our last episode, and then it's pronounced upon the woman and then upon the man, and hopefully we'll finish this section of Genesis chapter 3. So we're going to pick it up here in verse 16, and we read this, to the woman, he said, of course, that's God, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So we're looking at this curse upon the woman here. And the first thing that we see is that there is pain in childbirth. And it's really interesting here. Uh, There seems to be an indication, especially when you dig into the original language and into Hebrew here, that this is looking beyond Eve. And, you know, some people can can look at this and say, well, maybe Eve thought it was just going to end right here. She's going to have a child and then that puts everything right. I mean, there, there is that hope. There always is that hope that it's going to be a descendant of Eve, uh, you know, but is it going to be immediately? And here he says, multiplying, I will multiply, which seems to indicate not only this pain, but ongoing through future generations. There is a future look here. And so it's not just to Eve, but to all women, there would be this pain in childbearing. Now, some people try and look at this and say uh, the multiplication of pain in childbearing indicates that there was already going to be pain in childbearing, and now it's just going to get worse. There's no textual evidence for that. Uh, at all. And you have to understand that she hasn't had any children, so she doesn't really know what that means. And to go from zero to some is an increase regardless. And to go from none, uh, you know, to a lot uh, or even a little to a lot, uh, we don't have an indication. And you, you honestly have to stop and consider, is pain really going to be, uh, is that going to be present in eternity? And was that really the design of perfect creation when Adam and Eve, all mankind were supposed to procreate, multiply, fill the earth, and they were supposed to live forever, no death. Uh, Remember how the Bible ends in the book of Revelation, uh, and we'll get to some of these other parts later in in other parts of the scripture, but in in Revelation, he says, you know, sorrow is going to be gone, pain is going to be gone, uh, no more tears. Uh, Those are types of things that come with childbearing. And so when those are all done away with, it seems to indicate that this was not a part of the original plan of creation. Uh, This there's two different words for pain here to the woman. He said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. That's one word. And then there's a second use of pain. And that is in this next phrase, in pain, you shall bring forth children. Now, 
when the Greek translation of the Old Testament is made, that's the Septuagint, the LXX, it just uses one word to translate both. So I don't know if we have to make that a big deal or not, but the second word for pain is actually also used in the consequences for Adam. So it's interesting to note that they both share a similar type of pain. I'm not saying that the pain that Adam has is the same pain that uh, that Eve experiences in childbirth, nor all women, and we'll come to that in a moment. But if you look down at verse 17, he says, you shall not eat of it uh, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of, uh, that I commanded you that you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. And so that pain there is the second pain that we see in the text here that is given to to Eve. So this is a pain that causes her to cry out. Uh, very interesting here. And it's now just been accepted into the world. Now, remember that when Jesus comes into the world, he comes into a fallen and a sin-cursed world. And there are a few passages that we're going to be looking at here. But in his earthly ministry, he actually makes reference to the pain of childbearing. We find this in John 16, 21, and here's what Jesus says. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So that anguish there, that pain is very, very intense. And of course, here I am, and I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to it firsthand, but I am married and I've watched my wife give birth several times and, and been present with that. And I, I can also read because there have been things uh, that have been written on this and people who have studied pain. And uh, so we want to get into that a little bit here. It is quite a pain, but regardless, it's, it's very interesting to note here that for as excruciating as the pain can be, it can all be forgotten in a moment when the baby is born, once the the child comes into the world. And that is one of the hidden graces and blessings uh, that God has brought. I mean, if it was just sorrow upon sorrow and there was no relief of that, that would just be terrible. And yet for all the pain that they have to go through once the child is in the world, it's actually a lot better. So that's a good thing. And uh, that's the grace of God, even in the midst of pronouncing the curse. And we should rejoice over that. Now, getting into this pain, there is a, a woman that uh, Dr. Jonathan Sarfati quotes here. She uh, teaches rehabilitative medicine, or she did at one time at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and she was writing about pain of childbirth. And so this, this woman, Mary Cassian, uh, says this, childbirth is painful, I had read about it and believed it before the birth of my first child, yet nothing could have prepared me for the intense agony of labor. There's that anguish that Jesus is talking about in John 16, 21. Labor pain is simply inexplicable to one who has not experienced it. Now, she's going to go on and quote here, there is a doctor whose specialty and field of expertise is pain. His name is Dr. Ronald Melzack a leading expert in the field of pain, has recently completed research on the intensity of labor pain. He found that, on average, 
labor pain ranks among the severest of all pains. According to his study, it may be exceeded only by the suffering of some terminal cancer patients and often is worse than having a finger amputated without anesthetic. That is just incredible. Part of the curse that has come upon mankind and specifically the woman is to have incredible pain in childbearing. And we don't necessarily see this type of pain in the rest of the mammalian world that gives live birth, right? We, we don't lay eggs like the birds do and then incubate them and then the eggs hatch. Uh, we give live birth or, or females do of the human race, right? And so we see other mammals doing that, but they don't seem to have that pain. And that seems to be unique to the human race, which is quite fascinating in itself as well. Now, there's a second part to the curse, not just the pain in childbearing, but he says also, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. It's really interesting to note this, uh, that she, the woman, will seek to gain authority over the husband, just as sin desired to rule over Cain. But Adam should master her. Now, before you get all uptight, recognize what's going on here. She has desire. She will have desire to control man and to dispute the headship of the husband. Here's what you have to understand is that the headship of the husband in marriage was already established before the fall took place. So that has already happened in a perfect world, in a perfect marriage. Everything was perfect just a few minutes ago. Now it's not going to be, and she will have this desire in internally. Man was already in authority over the woman before the fall. Now she will have a tendency to rebel and try and rule him. Now, this has nothing to do with capabilities, has everything to do with ordered uh, status and ordered place, okay? And we see this coming out when we go to the New Testament and we see in, in Ephesians, Paul writes about this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5, 25 to 33. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Of course, we've seen that here in Genesis 2. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And then... This follows, this follows actually after what he's already said to the wife. He actually addresses the wives first a few verses earlier, Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now you can go back and I, we did a whole series on the, the book of Ephesians and you can listen to that, but this ties back to the creation order and 
not only the mandate that was given and the authority structure that was that was in place before the fall, but now what is present afterwards. The fact that it has to be commanded means that there is this natural outplaying of this very curse that we're seeing here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. There it is. There's the order even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, is the church supposed to submit to Christ? Well, I think most people would answer, yes, it's not the other way around. We don't try and bend the Lord to do our will. We submit ourselves to him and his authority. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So, it's very, very interesting here that this is going to speak directly to our current situation now. And so we, we have to understand that. So, so we see then that there's a rift in the relationship in marriage. Now, obviously, God has the ability and, and seems to and appears to uh, you know, give grace where it is absolutely needed in their marriage so that Adam and Eve both live very long and productive lives, and they do have many children. And even after one of their children is murdered, they go on to have many more for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so there's no divorce. (laughs) Praise God for that. But we have to see here that now for a marriage to be successful, now, you know, here's the question. Is it possible for a marriage to be successful when people don't know Christ? Well, it is in God's common grace. We see marriages that last. But the surefire way is to have both the husband and the wife submitting themselves to Christ. And once they have submitted to Christ uh, and the command to repent of their sins and turn in faith and believe in him, and he's, he grants them that ability and they are saved. Now they submit to the authority of the word of God and then plug themselves into the proper roles. And that is the perfect recipe for marriage. And so we now live in a world where all these marriage relationships are suffering the effect of the curse. And so we see that every time a child is born. Now, God gives grace, and he also gives the ability for the brain to have some sort of amnesia when it comes to that, that while you know there's no woman who is not going to remember her pain necessarily, but she won't remember it quite as intense as at the moment of the agony that she's going through because it's wiped away, it's erased, it is you know majorly diluted when the child is born. And this is all the grace of God. But we see the evidence of the curse all around us, pain and childbearing, and a rift in the relationship. Now, of course, the remedy uh, for that rift is seen through obedience as such passages like we already looked at, Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. You can look at Colossians 3, 18 to 21, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 to 4. Uh, sorry, 1 to 40, that whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, is on marriage. 1 Timothy 2, 8 to 15, uh, 1 Timothy 3, 11 and 12, and 1 Timothy 5, 14, and the list just goes on and on. And so I think we'll, we'll leave this episode there, but it's important to remember to see that the effects of these things are still in play, and that was not the intention from the very beginning. That is also crucial to understand that what God had intended has been marred, 
and now there has been significant change going on there. And the very fact that that Eve uh, is now going to experience physiological shifts because of the curse, and, and we're going to see later on here when he talks to man, part of this curse is death, physical death. Uh, but part of this curse means that there was a change. We already saw a change physiologically in the serpent, and it seems to be an indication that the serpent wasn't always on its belly, but now it's going to go on its belly. Now with the woman, her body changes. There's something that changes in her DNA that now bears the effects of the curse. All that will be done away with when, when we shed this mortal body and we get a new body that is glorified, it will not be subject to these things that will all be changed to the glory of God. Well, we'll leave it there and we'll pick it up and we'll talk about the curse of uh, God on man in our next episode. This has been another podcast of expositional excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.